Hi, this is the Tempter Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we find interesting. Your hosts today are Kem Raj and Cliff Bray. How are you doing, Kem? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you doing today, Cliff? Good, yeah, yeah, it's another week almost through, so... So today, uh, we want to talk about Arch Linux, which both Kem and I have been using for some years now. So, Kem, do you want to start us off on, on maybe give us an overview of what Arch Linux is? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been using a lot of distributions. You know, you can kind of put me in that category of called distro hoppers. And, um, you know, been using Suzy you know, Red Hat, Slackware. Uh, and, you know, in early 2000s, I would be switching my distro, you know, almost every month or, you know, if I didn't stay with one distro for even for a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would be trying various, you know, DEs and Windows managers and stuff like that. So it was fun, but it was also like, you know, there was no single environment I used or no single distribution I used. But in a way that was good because, you know, you learn the various philosophies of these distributions and, you know, various design goals that they have in mind. And um, and I think it was uh, working with you when I got introduced to Arch Linux. I think it was like, 10 years ago or so. I don't know how, how, however long it was. Yeah, um, I have my, in my notes, I started around 2002, or at least that's when I posted on my blog about it. So I, I might have been using it before then, but ar- around 10 years ago is when I started. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the, uh, the, the various distribution had different, um, you know, aspects to it. So most of them were time-based releases which means you know they had a cadence some released every year some released um, longer than that Uh, and i remember ubuntu introduced this um, uh, you know every six months release uh, cycle and they have been following it successfully ever since and um, and they also had like you know lts which is long-term support for every two years so that has been going well. Um, but most of the times, you know, because I was hacking on the distribution as well. So, you know, it would happen where you know, I get a new package, new compiler, new kernel, and then I'll just kind of blast that into my, you know, well-tested distribution and break it down. Um, and then I'll go do a reinstall. Uh, and so I was always in a, in, in, looking for something that, you know, I could use, which is, you know, closer to the trunk, so to speak. Um, and and I think there are many options out there. I even tried Gen 2 for some time. Yeah, so um, did I. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so just to let our listeners know, Gen 2 builds everything from source, so it doesn't package anything in binary packages. It, it has recipes that Mm-hmm. where you build everything from source so it can take like you know a day to upgrade your system where it's just building stuff yeah yeah it really depends on what your uh, changes are for that day so uh but it gets you very optimized in the end system with like latest and greatest perhaps 
Um, yeah, and it's also very configurable, so you can set, you can yeah. tune your build flags because it's rebuilding everything. Gen two can mm -hmm. optimize everything to the nth degree for your particular processor or setup. Right. Um, so yeah, I think um, one of the you know there are many things we'll talk about it, but I think um, one thing I really liked about Arch at that time was or at least that was like a attracting factor for me was the rolling release mm -hmm. um, and there were many things then i learned after that um you know about the distribution but um you know that was clearly what i was looking for at that point of time and uh, and arch was you know offering that so that's where i started to use it um, how about your uh, story with Arch? Yeah, so I, I, like you, had tried a bunch of different things. Uh, started off with Red Hat Linux when that first came out many years ago. And then, you know, Ubuntu was popular. Tried Gentoo for a while because one of my associates really liked it and thought it was the way to go. And then back to Ubuntu. But one thing I really didn't like about Ubuntu is this every six six month upgrading the distro mm -hmm. and it it generally worked pretty good but it just seemed like a big scary step of you know upgrading your distro mm -hmm. you know running the dist up dist upgrade you know and it, it really so anyway i i somehow stumbled across arch and it it basically seemed about like gen 2 only you didn't need to rebuild everything it, it packaged things so you could you could um, mm -hmm. just download them. So anyway, I, I started ten years ago, and I, and I haven't looked back. It's it's been a great experience. It's my mm -hmm. it's my desktop distribution or workstation distribution, and we're we're even running it on a few servers. So mm. you know, we yep. just mostly run Debian on servers, but you know, it's Arch seems to be stable enough for that. So we'll we'll talk about that later. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's awesome. Um, I think similarly, when I started to kind of like play with it, it was um, the installation process is a little bit involved, mm -hmm. or at least it was, you know, at that point. And um, it can be a little bit daunting, but, um, you know, the ArchWiki comes to help. And I think, you know, they have like really outlined the steps really well. And, um, and but I think if you're a newbie, you know, you might get um, a little bit intimidated by it. And, um, and what I found was that that's a good learning, you know, to see how the system is set up, how it is partitioned. It also gives you a little bit of view of the system itself when you're setting it up. It's not like you know, you're clicking through some things and then you have no idea how it got partitioned and, you know, what all it's, uh, where things are really on the device and stuff like that. So uh, at least my personal opinion there was that, you know, it's a good thing that I have to go through this and I learn um, the, the complete file system hierarchy that it is setting up, uh, or at least I have a say in it. Even if I don't have the say in it, uh, I get to see what the defaults are. Yeah, yeah, that's 
we, we should note they do have an installer now, which kind of automates a few of these things. But for years and years, the Arch install process was a document. So you started off with a, a boot disk and you had to partition the disks, set up your root FS, change root to it, bootstrap it, which would install some base stuff. But as far as the bootloader and all that stuff, you had to, you had to make your choices, you know, which of the three bootloaders do you want to use? And you had to install mm -hmm. that manually. Yeah. And th this sounds a little daunting, but their documentation is so good. It's actually a pleasure to work through that process. And it just feels feels really good. And and again, we should probably. It, it seems like Arch is a developer's OS. It's probably not something a you know uh, just a computer user would want to use. Although my wife and my grand my father in law run it just fine, but I, I maintain it, so it's not something that the average windows user is, is going to just jump in and use it's more somebody who's a little familiar with computers and and wants a a really powerful development development machine mm -hmm. all right so i think um, let's talk about some of the things that we discovered with our trees with it for so many years and i think you know one of the things i really put at the very top now is the arch wiki mm -hmm. and i felt like you know i have um i mean you you know it might sound like this is art specific but arch wiki is regardless of your distributions you know there is um, nuggets of information there which is so good and targeted that you know you're looking for some system d help or you know some um, other aspects of the system and invariably you, you will end up in ArchWiki and you will find a solution uh, regardless of distribution it's so good <laughs> yeah if you search on a general Linux topic um, there's a good chance you'll end up at the ArchWiki at some point because the documentation is phenomenal yeah 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 and you know so it's like you know uh, it's ArchWiki or there's nothing for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every, every other distribution or, or most of them, they, they, they pretty much hide the complexity. So Ubuntu, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they try to make everything polished on the surface, but they really don't give you much documentation on how the internals work, how things are put together. Mm -hmm. And Arch kind of takes the opposite philosophy. They don't try to hide anything. Yeah. They try to document it and um, implement the system as simply as possible, so that the uh, that it can be you can get in there and do what you need to do. And I, you know, again, as a developer, I find that refreshing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think you know. Many, many things, but in, in recently when I was kind of like uh, moving away from Pulse Audio to Pipewire, and you know, I tried a few things here and there, ArchWiki came to my rescue. You mm -hmm. know, it kind of like gave me all the information I needed to do the migration away from you know the PA to Pipewire, and it, it works amazingly now. 
Um, so there's like really solid information in there. Um, One other thing I'll say about that is Arch Linux supports everything. So if you want Pulse Audio, that's fine. If you want Pipewire, if you want Wayland, if you want X11, Mm-hmm. Um, every every option out there is supported. If you want KDE, if you want XFCE, you know it's all it's all in Arch. So say you're you're transitioning to Wayland, um, you know you you can try it and then just simply use X11 if things aren't working, and you can try it again. And if you have, still have one app that's not working, you can go back and then yeah. two months later try it again. So it gives you the option, all these, you know, you can, you can again, choose what works for you and, and migrate when it's the right time for you versus having a, a distribution policy say, oh, we're switching from X11 to Wayland now. And here it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and I think one other aspect of it that I really found powerful um, was its um, its package manager. Uh, it's called Pacman, and um, you know you can basically turn your progress bar into the Pacman as well. I mean, there are packages for that sort of stuff. Really? Yeah. I need to do that. I haven't tried that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really <laughs> funny. You should uh, install that. So anyhow, I think. Um, Pacman is really fast, really simple, and it has some powerful features like parallel downloads and things like that nowadays. So you know it can basically parallelize some of the updating activities um, really, really well. Because um, I don't know about you, but you know I update my my workstation whenever I want. You know it's sometimes daily. Yeah, sometimes it's every week, but I don't think that unless I'm on a vacation or something, you know, weekly once I do update my system. And so I interact with Pac-Man uh, quite often, and it has never failed me um, in the sense that, you know, it kind of like left my system in a veg state. Uh, it has happened. Um, but then you go to ArchWiki and you recover it. So usually it puts a lock file, and that lock file, you know, something goes wrong, then that is not removed. And then when you run it next time, then it can't run it because it thinks that there is another instance that's running. So that's the biggest or the most common issue I ran into with this one. But besides that, I think I really like the simplicity of it and the, how fast it is. Yeah, the, the packaging, the Pac-Man, Pac-Man manager is is truly a, a pleasure to use in Arch Linux. And, you know, the, like Jet, like Jet, like uh, Fedora and the Red Hat based distributions, you know, they use a more Python based tools, but I found them to be pretty slow. You, you know, they all work fine, but it, it's slow. And, and Debian and Ubuntu use use the Debian packaging tools, and they're somewhat faster. But when you get to Arch, you run Pacman, and and it's most of the time is spent downloading. And and then once it has things downloaded, it can chunk through that those packages just pretty fast. Mm-hmm. 
and it really makes the friction of updating really low. Yeah. So that's the user experience. But if you look under the hood, their, their recipe format for specifying packages is very simple, easy to understand. And I think that has really contributed to the stability and the velocity of the distribution because it's very easy for people to get in and start new packages, maintain packages. Mm -hmm. You know, they've just reduced the friction of packaging to it, it just as low as it can go, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think the next uh, dream is the Arch user repository or called AUR. Can you imagine of any package that you can't find in in AUR? I can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's know, a you... rare package that's not in the uh, AUR. So, so tell us, what is the AUR? So it's the Arch user repository. Um, so there is a core set of packages that Arch manages, you know, in their main repositories, in their testing repositories and, and others. But then the um, Arch community may have their own packages or, you know, things that they are using. And so AUR is a collection of these packages, essentially, you know, you and I, we can have something uh, and then we can contribute it there. And um, what it does then is you basically contribute the recipe most of the time. And so if somebody wants to use it, it basically gets the recipe and prepares the package right there. And I've seen some of the packages, they basically take a binary from a different distribution and repackage it. Mm -hmm. You know, it happens all the time. And it's amazing. I, I really don't care where they get it from. You know, in the end, I get to see Brave Browser, uh, you know, whether they got it from Debian or they, you know, whatever they did, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, um, and I think uh, that's that's really really powerful feature in my opinion. Um, invariably, you know, you would end up using uh, AUR for some of it. You know, I had a a, a Dell printer, right, which had a you know a, a driver, and that wasn't available anywhere uh, other than um, you know. So I looked at Ubuntu, they had like some aspects of it for older versions and things like that. And then, but there was a, there was a recipe in AVR and AVR packaged it, created a package for me and it works. Even my printer back then is still using that. So I'm really happy. Yeah, I had the same experience with my brother printer. And I've since learned that brother now supports the open printing standard. So it's driverless now. But mm. yeah, before that, the AUR had every brother printer yeah. driver packaged and it was just AUR or uh, whatever tool you want to use and, and away you go. Yeah. 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 So you name it like, you know, you have any like themes, you know, your cursors or GTK or whatever, they are in your AUR. Right? Yeah. And... But like Zoom, if you want to install Zoom, it's in there. Yep. Um, yeah. Visual Studio Code, you know. It's in there, different variants, you know, you want VS Codium, you want VS Code, whatever you want, it's out there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have, you know, a, a Git version, which is more like a development version. 
and then they may have a release version so you can choose which which one you are you you want and i really like that in many cases that you know i can try one or the other mm -hmm. so one would be a binary download mm -hmm. a binary the other one to download the source and build it right. from source yeah and i use yay uh, y-a-y which is actually a go program you know to interact with the aur and um, um, you know, behind the scene, it's basically getting all the dependencies, everything that that package needs, and it also offers me an option to delete it afterwards. So it's not really cluttering my system. You know, it if you want to keep them because you know you, you want to update that often, that's go that's fine. But if you just want it and installed once, many times people don't want to update that any game, then you can let go of all the build time dependencies that it brought in. So it's really mm -hmm. nice, really neat. Yeah. And w one other thing we should say about the AUR, the user repositories, these are user contributed recipes. So somebody could put a malicious recipe in there. Mm -hmm. Nobody's you know, they're not audited. I'm sure if something bad was in there, it would get evicted eventually, but there's nothing to stop a malicious actor from putting something in the AUR. Mm -hmm. But what you can do with the uh, yay tool is when you run it, you can show diffs. So it'll basically show the, mm -hmm. show the recipe and basically all the diffs it's pulling in. And, and one of those disks will be the recipe. And in there, you'll, you can look at the source URI for what it's downloading and what it's actually doing when it's building. Usually they're, you know, 20, 30 lines. So it's pretty, I, I highly recommend auditing that, reading through every, every package you install, because, you know, if you see a, a source URI going out somewhere, uh, dubious you know you can kind of tell at a glance if it's if it's on the level mm -hmm. yeah um i think um you know it's it's really powerful it, it it's like that last two percent of completing your distribution dream mm -hmm. that it provides and it's really awesome yeah i i rarely ever install anything from source anymore mm -hmm. and if you if you run a a non-arch distribution that's that would be a more common requirement to have to download a source package and build it yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i think one fun fact is that um, you know my main uh, workstation is running arch for almost six seven years mm -hmm. i have not reinstalled it yeah i have been updating <laughs> it i updated it this morning it's amazing, and um, and this box does all the work, does all the bills. You know, it does. It's the main station, so it's not something that's sitting on a corner. Um, it has bunch of stuff. You know, it builds. I do Yocta stuff. You know, so it builds all Yocta stuff. It builds compilers, Clang, everything. Mm -hmm. All my developmental activities are on this one. So, um, speaks a bundle of it. So. Um, these are some of the goodies. Now, are there any aspects that you know are like looked down upon in the in the Arch approach? Yeah, there's uh, some people may 
like we talked about before, it, it is more of a developer's distribution. It's probably something that you need to be willing to mm -hmm. to dig in if you have to and, and, and kind of know how things are set up. But as I watch other people struggle with other distributions or operating systems, include Windows, you know, it's 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 not all easy over there either. When something goes wrong, it's it's typically much harder to debug. Where in Arch, things are or more transparent. But some common objections, you know, people might worry about stability. So if you're if it's a rolling release and they're just pushing new stuff out continually. Uh, won't it be breaking occasionally or even all the time? So how do you respond to that? Yeah, it's it's a valid concern in some cases if you have like some very, very important stuff ongoing, you know. So you and I, we may be living on the edge in this mm -hmm. case. You know, we might have a way to kind of recover it. But I think one thing that I found that you could use for this is you know uh, file systems when you set up arch use file systems which have snapshotting available to you um you have to be careful about like you know how many snapshots you want to keep and you know because they do require space um, so you just don't want to keep every snapshot right but you might want some you know whatever suits you and so things like butterfs if you use ButterFS, you enable snapshotting, you know, snapshot it before you do Pac-Man upgrade, mm -hmm. you know, and then if something goes wrong, choose the different, you know, choose the previous snapshot and boom, you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Okay. So I know, you know, people may say that, you know, the, the people have like AB systems and all that kind of stuff, but you know, this is just using the power of the file system. And I think it's usually, you know, I partition my system in my, you know, root of S is separate. And that's where I use, I would say you end up using ButterFS. And for your data partitions, you can still use whichever is the most optimum file system for you. Mm -hmm. Data is not, uh, data is your responsibility, you know, so you can't blame Arch Linux for that. But you know, uh, for specifically for this, um, you know, managing the root of S and that approach works well. Yeah, that, that's really neat. Um, I, I would add one thing onto that. I've, I've never done that, but I've, I've also had very few problems. Mm -hmm. So I, I've never had a upgrade that bricked my system where I couldn't boot it. Yeah. At least not that I can remember. Maybe I'm forgetting. But overall, the stability has been amazing. I don't worry at all when I update. And I I update in the middle of the day and in, in the middle of critical things. I, you know, if I mm -hmm. need something new, I just update. I don't worry. Like, is this going to take my machine down and I'm not going to be able to work the rest of the day? No, I, I just, I go ahead because I don't, I don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. So, and we've, we've both done this hundreds and hundreds of times. So mm -hmm. we, we. Are pretty much conditioned that it, it will work yeah yeah so i think the other aspect i would say is if you're you know you might say that i'm working on a system where you know it was released two years ago and if i'm using 
today's Arch Linux, you know, the tools and things might have changed, which is true. Um, but I think, you know, since the container runtimes have come along, you know, we have switched, at least I use quite a bit of containers for doing the work. And uh, that has kind of made it a lot better, you know, in terms of, because otherwise you end up first fixing it to work on the, you know, the Arch Linux of today, and then you fix the real problem. And that may not be exactly what you want to do. Yeah. So you're talking about compatibility more now versus stability. Yeah. Where you have an old system that needs old tools and old GCC. Yeah. So in that case, you would just wrap your build system with a Docker image. Something like that. And yeah. that would isolate you from from the... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that gets us through that, actually. So in my opinion, I think so far, I have found the right mix of, you know, both worlds, you know, mm -hmm. you know, where you're not really kind of rolling and rolling and rolling. And then, you know, you have this huge thing that you're pulling along because, you know, you're using a rolling distribution. Therefore, your work has to roll too. Um, it does you know, with all these techniques. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think now I'm spoiled. You know, I use the latest KDE whenever it comes out. You know, mm -hmm. within a week, it's on my system. Yeah, latest tools, latest kernel, um, yeah. everything. You know, and um, um, and I'm really happy with my use of this use of part so far. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I always believed in the stability of the system. Uh, it's just that the how do you make it available to you know to users? who would use it as a general compute system. And to that effect, there are some distributions out there which are kind of solving that problem. Like we talked about, you know, the installer and, and the other aspects of, and, uh, you know, Manjaro and, um, you know, a few other distributions. There are, there's a whole lot of distributions that are based off of Arch. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, they have their own properties. They drive out of Arch Linux, right? In Arch Linux, you define what you want, you know, more or less. And these distribution might have more look and feel of their own, um, but they are easier to use. Underneath, you are still using the stability and power of Arch. Mm -hmm. So if you're new, I would say that, don't think that Arch is not for you. It is definitely for you. Um, and I would recommend to kind of, you know, go look at some of these distributions. Um, you know, I found one called Garuda Linux, and I think I really liked the way they were putting the, you know, the UI and things. Um, um, and they had like a, a theme to the distribution. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's neat. So with Arch, it's, it's such a nice technology base that Many, many other distributions are just building on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think uh, that's all we had for today. And I think if you have more suggestions around this, uh, please feel free uh, to give us feedback. Um, and thank you for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we're always available at info at tempter.org. So if you have feedback or suggestions, please reach out. Thank you.